the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Elastic, and I am co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Just remember the time to set up your line of credit is today, not when the emergency actually comes up. And because it doesn't cost anything when you're not using it, it makes it complete sense that you have a cash backup plan like this. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Becca Delaney Johnson from the Cause Collaborative. Becca, Becca is a fearless leader with an endless energy who brings big ideas to the table, strategic, creative vision for project execution, and has a knack for putting smart teams into place. Before jumping out to start her company, Becca gained marketing event and business experience from both higher education and ad agencies. She is an adjunct professor at St. John Fisher and RIT teaching internet marketing and introduction to advertising. Becca received her Bachelor's in Communication and Journalism from St. John Fisher College and her Master's in Communication and Media Technology from RIT. She received the 2020 Rochester Business Journal's 40 Under 40 Award for Exemplary Leadership and Community Service. Becca, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for having me. So you know, today's topic, uh, why telling your nonprofit story is so important you know, the idea behind, it seemed like several years ago, the idea behind storytelling really hit the nonprofit sector big time at all the conferences. It was, you know, it was just like in everything you read, there was tons of lectures about it. Um, and I think, you know, unless you're a brand new nonprofit with no, with no prior experience in nonprofit, storytelling has become kind of mainstream. I mean, would you agree with that? I would completely agree. And I think you're right on. That's when we started to hear the terminology, see the terminology amongst, um, you know, the community I work with, you know, specifically as a for-profit business um, that works exclusively with nonprofits. I completely agree that the storytelling word has become the new norm. Um, yeah. When you look at authenticity, which is where I focus my work, um, you know, the difference is when I worked in advertising agencies at the beginning of my career, we were calling it spinning a story, right? Spinning a story is kind of your classic, like you can write about anything if you're a good writer and a good communicator. You can write about anything if you're a good writer and you can tell the story the way you want to tell it. With storytelling, I think the authenticity comes into play now. And, mm. you know, what we're starting to see at conferences and across the United States, at least, and hopefully, you know, across the globe as well you know, my expertise really lies in authenticity. It's not spinning your story. It's really connecting with your audiences in a way with content that matters, that resonates, that meets them where they're at. So I completely agree. And I think it's it's up and coming, but still it's the norm, right? It's becoming yeah. 
everyone knows the word in the nonprofit sector now. <laughs> yeah, I think there's two things that nonprofit executive directors and uh, people who work at nonprofits don't like. They don't like the word profit. Right. Right. And they don't like the, the, the word spin. Yeah. Right. So I think the new word, maybe you and I can coin it today, is, uh, is you know, authenticity. Right. Because I think every nonprofit feels and I let's let's face it, I think listen, I, I thought authenticity started with Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. Right. It, you know, I had an employee, uh, one of my top employees who worked who's worked with me for 15 years. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, she we were talking about Lady Gaga and I, I wasn't you know really that she was when Lady Gaga was brand new. And she goes, this is the new norm. Someone who kind of lays it all out for you, tells you the truth. And she goes, that's the way we need to be in all our social media uh, uh, as a company. We need to tell people the truth every single time. And, and you know, we've, we've definitely have followed that. That was inside of our culture anyway to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when you are working with your clients, um, what do you start off with typically? I think it's getting... It's for me, it's as an external person coming into a team where I don't work next door and we can't walk amongst our offices together and I don't know their culture, their values, or do they even understand or identify with the word value? Mm. Um, you know, what does it mean? Um, I have to dig deep and I have to, I, I call it the legal approach. It's almost like I'm a lawyer, you know, who's coming in and getting all my casework, you know, amongst my conference room table with me and my team to dig in, to ask the questions, to get their resources in front of us, um, to really kind of know what we're starting with. You know, I'll be honest, it's a range. You know, it can be a small startup nonprofit who's never done a strategic plan, who doesn't know their mission and their vision yet and is trying to craft it, but it's not, it's not narrow enough yet, um, to a medium to larger size nonprofit who says, Oh, we update this every six months. We go on our corporate retreats. We know how to talk amongst ourselves and our board of directors to really identify who we are and what we do and how we do it. Uh, But the range is so vast that in my work, it can vary. And so it's hard to give you an answer that's sort of boxed. But I'll tell you, our approach is to dig deep, ask really hard questions. You know, the right fit for me as a client, as well as I think, anytime an external consultant or a partner is brought in is you need that relationship where you can get comfortable with each other. And I think getting comfortable with uncomfortability is really where getting to the story, getting to the why, understanding the purpose behind that organization. It's really where we start to thrive in storytelling. And as someone who considers themselves a storyteller, you know, I don't like the word marketer. I don't like and love and never really identified with uh, advertising, you know, those words. Um, So I love that you sort of started by the psychology aspect because that's what I thrive in. You know, for me, it was my dissertation, back to my dissertation for my master's. It was on consumer response to advertising images, which basically means how do genders or how you identify gender Um, And how do you respond? And is there differences depending on how you identify with what you see in the media? And I've always been fascinated. It's just who I am as a person to know why did I pay attention to that ad 
versus why did I pay attention? Why did I ignore the other one? And what is it about that ad that's making me not resonate? And what is it about this ad that's making me understand and want it and to want to purchase? Um, and it's so interesting when you look at consumer marketing, I've always been interested as a kid, like watching Super Bowl ads to why am I interested in this and not this? And uh, you can look at strategy now, like the work I do, it's digging deep, it's getting to the root, like to get back to your question, it's like getting to that root of why do they exist? What are they here for? And where would the community be without them? You know, and asking those tough questions. I think that um, if if not equal, it it might even be more important than, so it might even be more important to understand your culture and your why than it is for you to uh, understand and explain what your nonprofit actually does. So, so like, like I, I, I really didn't like that. Maybe that's hard to understand, but I think if you start, you know, there's a great book by Simon Sinek called start with why. Right. And, and I've, I know Simon and I've met him and, and I've read his book and, and I've, I've had friends of mine be coached by him. Uh, but I think, you know, if you really want to build a fantastic organization as a nonprofit, you have to start with your why first mm-hmm. and, and then understand your culture. And then you understand, then you build your mission and you explain that. And if you want to talk about a nonprofit that lasts the test of time, those are the ones that I think probably will last forever if they do a good job with their why and their culture. I mean, would you agree with that? Completely. And, you know, the word why is interchanged in my vocabulary these days anyway. I'm still evolving. We're all learning from each other in the industry. But the word why is now becoming purpose for me. Um, so when we look at what's their why and maybe it doesn't, it's not, it's which, where do you start? It does start with why, but the inner workings of that for me is purpose. What is your purpose? What gets mm-hmm. you out of bed? It's not just the organization. It's the people behind it too. Um, and when I think about like, you know, what I've been asked often is, um, you know, who are, who's our audiences, Becca? How do we even start knowing what our why is if we don't know who our audiences are? And I think it's a little flip-flopped, right? It's Let's get to know our why and identify who we're targeting today, but also who we could be targeting and haven't yet reached because we haven't told that story successfully in the places where those people show up every day. So the channels and the strategy around your marketing plan and your promotions and should you do social media, should you do billboards, you start to you know look into this because it all comes down to that, exactly what you're talking about. It's the why, which drives who your audience is, which then drives where you advertise, where you you focus your energy. But we as people, right? I mean, I hope people find purpose in their careers. I wholeheartedly love what I do and only hope that others find that sort of career path as well. We're blessed, those of us that love the work we do. Um, But that's what you typically with my clientele, you can tell right away. They're the people that love what they do that are there for the reason of purpose, therefore understand the lingo when it comes to what's your why and want to get into the psychology of that. And that's really where I thrive. Yeah, you threw me for a loop a little bit, I, I admit. I, I'm going to tell you because 
I think the why is more internal okay. than it is external. So in other words, is like why to me is about why the organization and why the all the people who work there do what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I get I get what you're saying about why does the organization, you know, help people and externally then and then maybe that's a second why. Uh, maybe that's a purpose. Um, but I think, you, you know, in order to build a culture, uh, I think you have to start off by saying, you know, and honestly, listen, let's, let's face the fact, the, the, the why of an organization usually comes from the leaders of the organization. And yeah. then what happens is as you hire people and you bring them in, they, hopefully you're hiring the right people into your why. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, and and then they the culture contributes exponentially to making the why even more relevant. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think you know, I know a lot more about small businesses. Although nonprofits are our number one clients, you know, we sure. I've built a, a lot of companies, and so I can c- kind of relate it more to the companies I've built in that uh, it's really important for the executive director of a nonprofit to say, why am I doing this? Why am I, right? Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And I and I don't think we're disagreeing. It's more the order of where we start the work we do. And I think you're right yeah. now to, to pause and you know, remi- reminder, you know, I end up coming in for implementation and strategy and really rolling out arms, legs, and brains. So my specialty lies um, in actually teaching people, you're not ready for me. Um, which is the work you're talking about where people oh. come in and I think strategists come in and help um, intrinsically work to identify, you know, the why of the organization is what is the executive? Why do you do the work you do? Who are you? It's not so much who are you serving and how are you reaching them, which is my part of the equation. You know, by the time they hire me, that's what I'm doing is marketing. But I, I put that in air quotes. I know you can't hear that, but yeah. I put it in air quotes because what I'm really doing is authentically telling their stories in the right places where people that they need to be reaching are going to see that story. Um, so yeah. that's the type of storytelling implementation I'm hired to do myself and my team. The Cause Collaborative is a social impact firm. So, so we're getting brought in and we have to tell people, you're not ready for us all yeah. the time for what you're talking about, where they haven't done that work yet to identify what are their values? What is their exact mission statement? What is their vision statement? We can help teach them they're not ready to market. They're not yeah. ready to um, change up their marketing strategy or reach new people or open this new program that they got grant funding for until we've really done that check in with ourselves work as executive directors in the sector or someone who's um, maybe there's been a change in leadership, board chair, board of directors change, or maybe they've completely revamped their staff and added headcount. Um, but I completely agree. I just wanted to sort of differentiate yeah. my expertise versus maybe me saying I do all of it. I definitely yeah. am not someone. So, so let me ask you this question. You're, you, 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 you have this new client mm-hmm. and you, you come in and you, you're asking the questions. And, and let me get this out of the way. The, fr- the thing I love about working with external people as consultants or coaches or strategists, number one is the questions they ask me that make me think. So do you ask me good questions that make me think? Because that, you know, I'm going to, I often am going to know the answers better than what you're going to know. Mm -hmm. And number two is, 
what can you bring to the table that you've learned over the years from all, all the other organizations that you've worked with? You know, because I'm in my little silo here. And what I want you to do is say, you know, there was a similar company uh, organization like you, yours, that I worked with, and this is where they were, and this is what they did, and this is what they learned. Bringing me that outside information accelerates my learning, you know, of, of my organization. So, you know, I think bringing in outside help is like really important if you really want to make your organization professional and good. But what happens when you bring a client on? I just want to clarify, if you bring a client or you're speaking to a, a potential client, you find out they don't have a why, they don't have a culture defined. Do you ship them off to somebody else? Uh, but, you know, because you said you're in the strategy side of the house mm -hmm. or do you help them with the why, the culture and this other stuff? This is where my partners come into play. Oh, uh, okay. You know, people that I bring in, um, there's a fellow, there's a person who used to run the United Way, which a lot of people are familiar with across the nation. So I'll say that, you know, United Way, um, Rochester Area Community Foundation locally for me, there are local community patient, you know, foundations across the United States as well. Those partners um, have networks of professionals like myself that do this work, that this is who they work with. And um, if I run into a client that is completely not a good fit for me, whether that be I don't have the skill set myself, but I, the Cause Collaborative, want the collaboration that I've built over eight years of doing this work, I have a trusted partner I send them to. So I don't ever turn away um, you know, and say, good luck. You're off to the racetrack yourself. Find something <laughs> else. I am um, always in my like in my heart and soul wanted to to grow since I started this that network for our community here locally. So it's uh it's great people doing great work that help in different expertise areas. Not anyone should ever say they do everything, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's those trusted partners. So there you know there are strategists that can come in and only work on mission and vision work. I have those people in my Rolodex. You know, that's who I send them to if that's the area that I sense that they need to be, that they're that they're missing out on. Maybe it's, um, you know, one of the conscious capitalism, right? There are conscious capital, capitalism groups across the United States as well. It's a good example. Rochester has a very, very, very good chapter here where I would send them over to conscious capitalism to do the value-driven work around assessing what their company values are. Maybe they're not doing any philanthropy at all. They've never even thought about people, planet over profit, you know, um, because they're not coming from a for-profit brain, right? They're coming from the nonprofit sector. They have no idea. They could have talent recruitment. They could have talent retention. They could increase their bottom line, right? By the same way that we as small business owners in the for-profit sector can, which is hiring the right people, values, you know, and, and so I'm, I'm fascinated by the network of people doing good in each community um, and what those personal relationships can build if we can, if we unite for good, right? If we as experts, third parties, because I completely agree with you that bringing in an outside brain is often where it starts. Mm -hmm. This conversation around what are we missing? Why are we not making any traction? And I just think that at the end of the day, it's about who you know, and also who you've built those relationships with to get that right brain at the table to help push you and guide you. So I do have consultants I refer to 
Um, if it's a for-profit, for example, a snow, a snowmobile company that wants marketing efforts, of course I turn them away. Um, that is not the, the story I preach. It's about authenticity again, the word we coined today in our conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's that authenticity check. It's me and my values. I don't want to do any work. I want yeah. the work that I'm good at and I want the work where it's making a difference. That's my comp- you know, part of my company value. So our, our uh, topic today, and this is all building up to what we're talking about. I mean, you can't tell your story unless you, you know, understand where you've been, where you're g- going, you know, what you are, who you are, why you do what you do. Uh, once you've kind of done all of that groundwork, how do you then develop the story? I think finding the story starts with uh, the collection and the collection of stories that matter, you know, is, is really where you have to start with finding that story. And so when we look at your mission, you're talking about like mission matters, you know, we, we do a lot of digging around what is the mission? Why do you do the work you do? All the hard questions around where would you, where would our community be without you? Right the hard questions to make you flip the way you answer those questions to dig deep, to get to the root. And then when you look at those elements of the brand, right? If you look at branding in general, whether it's for profits or non, we have to think about, you know, that those exercises to get the board and the alignment, you know, around the storytelling, but the tangibles are the collection of stories where how do we collect those stories that matter? How do we customize those stories um, and what is the value of metrics when it comes to, you know, getting to the root of those stories? So we do a lot of interviewing journalism, really a better word for it. Um, you know, we are in the end of the day, media, we are media. So we are helping, we, the cause collaborative are helping them to document. We call it the product we create is called a story bank. Um, that story bank, because we're a little unique, we don't want to be hired for the same thing every single time by a nonprofit and charge them lots and lots of time for us to come in and do this work like a marketing agency does. We actually provide the resource to our client to know how to capture stories. We call it the story bank. So we are going out and documenting for them and giving them a tool, right? A toolkit that they can then do internally without us in the future. And that's the story. That's the difference, I think, between the cause collaborative and maybe your uh, standard East Coast, if I can say it carefully, (laughs) your standard like East Coast run of the mill ad agency model. It's very different because we're a little more West Coast and we're a little more social impact and making sure you're not hiring us over and over again for that nickeling and diming rate uh, to come in and help you create those stories. We are creating a tool so that the marketing manager or in your example, the executive director or the director of development now has a, a kit and they know how to go out and capture and interview those stories. Since coronavirus, we've been um, teaching our clients to interview via Zoom and how to capture and still get a great interview and how to teach them how to be a journalist online. I mean, it's very different. And you're giving your client the skill set to capture those stories with those tough questions, to interview those potential donors, you know, if you're looking at, at growing your donor base and telling those stories or your clients and constituents, or in one example, youth, you know, we had to do some, some coaching of how to interview a youth versus someone your own age, right? 
And uh, we do a lot of work on making sure that they, they're given those tools. And I think if you look at like identifying your audience and looking at understanding your audience, you got to start with that persona work, you know, target personas. Is, is it a donor that you're trying to tell the story? If you need more donors, we need to tell the story of donors. Let's get to the facts, right? If you need to reach more youth, we need to tell the story of youth. It's authenticity. It's that check-in of, if we got to put out there what we need. So hopefully the nonprofit has access to these people. And in some cases in my work, especially in upstate New York, <laughs> they don't have a list of phone numbers and people when I ask them the question of who can I talk to, right? As a storyteller, who can I talk to? Who can I interview? How can I help you get these stories out there? We're starting from, I have no idea is the answer. And it's so interesting because that's happening in the small and the large nonprofits. They're too busy. They're wearing too many hats. They haven't kept track of the data, the phone number of the alum that graduated three years ago. How do you reach them? So then I become this stalker on the internet who's also helping them. Can, have you used LinkedIn? Have you kept in touch with your alumni? Can you make an alumni group? And then my internet marketing, I become this person who's helping them build resources to create the connections online. So it's, it's growing a list sometimes. It's, you know, helping them find and reach the people of the past that they haven't documented because maybe they didn't even have a donor software. <laughs> and in upstate New York, I think we're experiencing that way more than we should, especially given the technology and software exists today. I mean, there's so many tools out there, nonprofits. If I could have a whole like day, you know, I would put together a toolkit specific to what, what donor database, what, is, what does it even mean to have one? And why do you need one? And it's for this reason, to maintain your data, to be able to collect stories. And that's why collection is such a, my gut told me to tell you that because, you know, collection is where we run into big trouble with our clientele, which well, is profits. So I'm going to ask you two questions here. They're, they're opposite from one another. Um, what do you think, since you're kind of uh, have a background in the for-profit uh, marketing area and and of course now the nonprofit what do you think nonprofits the smaller ones so under five million dollars in revenue a year what do you think they do better than the for-profit uh, businesses I gotta be careful I my gut instinct told me to tell you I think they they care enough to make it right to do it right to slow down when they're told by an expert to slow down. And I'm totally stereotyping here. I'm being careful. You know, a socially conscious business owner actually persona-wise lines up so closely with our executive directors of the world. So I'll have to be transparent and say, I'm really kind of comparing to those that are not value-driven, that are not socially conscious when I compare here. So I'm just comparing stereotypically when you look at personas of for-profits that have no idea what social impact even means and maybe are unfamiliar with conscious capitalism and the profit, you know, planet people, profit, B Corp, you know, world. Um, if I compare those two, my answer is that you, you have a nonprofit sector of leaders that care deeply about the work that they do. They are not there for the paycheck. I'm not teaching that. Like that's, we all know that. Nonprofit sector is underpaid and overworked in blunt reality of the sector we're in. And the work that we're doing, it's hard. And it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world to get that funding right now, especially with corona changes. And I think um, 
that's my answer. You know, it's just, it's a hard, they care deeply. And so satisfaction can be hard because the work never stops. And when they, you know, need it perfect and they need a tool that's going to work every time. The reality is there's no plug and play. There's no copy paste strategy. Your strategy has to evolve. And um, in my work with storytelling, your stories can't be used. The same 10 stories can't be used for the next decade. Yeah. You have to stay current. You have to stay relevant, especially with things like systemic racism across the country right now. You know, those stories need to be, if you're, if you're touching that area of work, you need to be telling that story. You need to pause and check in with yourself and say, the way we did it five years ago isn't relevant to why we need funding today, right? We need funding today because we've gone virtual because of coronavirus. We need to tell that story in our annual report. We need to think about the fact that no one knows that we've pivoted as a nonprofit. And now all of our mental health services are online because they had to be. Let's tell that story. Let's check in with each other. And let's look at relevancy in the communities in which we serve. And let's get that story out there because donors are ready to give you funding if they know that your work applies to what's happening right now. Right. So it's it's that care factor for me. So I I think uh, from what I hear you saying, um, to summarize, when it comes to building a story, uh, nonprofits are going to be ahead of for-profits because they're socially conscious, they're ethical, and they are authentic. Are authentic. And, and that's what makes a good story, you know, is, is when it's real, right? Whereas for-profits, they might struggle with it because, you know, they're thinking about, okay, what will bring me the most money that I can make? And so they may stray away from the authenticity. Uh, so right. now, now here is the uh, the other question, and that is, what can nonprofits learn from for profits? I think nonprofits can learn from for profits around taking those risks. I think, in, if you compare again, stereotypically only, that's where I'm playing here. You have risk takers on the for-profit side. You have people a little bit more likely to take out those lines of credit or dig into their personal funds to grow. And I would encourage more nonprofits to think like a for-profit. That may be slowing down and creating a business plan, right? The tool that they need to really document on paper where they're headed one, three, five years out. To taking a look at the outside the box strategies on collaboration. For profits are, I think, humbly speaking, only stereotypically here, um, calling up and asking for coffee meetings. There's a confidence factor in the for profit sector that I do not see in the hmm. nonprofit sector. That I'll pick up the phone and I'll ask for things for free because I'm a for profit CEO and I need it for this philanthropic thing I'm doing. And they're, they're going to say, let's fund a school in Africa. Sorry, I'm stereotyping. Mm-hmm. Or let's meet for coffee and let's talk about how we can start a fundraiser for a nonprofit I care about. It's why are we not doing that as nonprofits execs, right? Like as nonprofit execs, let's do the same thing. Let's make a business plan. Let's document our one, three, five-year goals. And let's get excited about the idea of asking for things for free. <laughs> you yeah. know, let's, 
let's be proud of that. We're not, you know, you're not asking um, for things for free for, you know, selfish reasons. You're asking for the community. And so it should, in my humble opinion, it should be easier for you to get have confidence and communicate confidently as long as you come back to that where we started our conversation, authenticity, that you're there for the right reasons, that you're doing purpose-driven work, and that you're making an impact. If you can tell that story, that's where I come in, <laughs> and my partners, like if you can tell that story, you are able to confidently get out there and, and have the people flock to you that want to support you. You know, the goal is if it was blasted all over the world, they would just show up, right? That's the idea here. If you were to get your story told everywhere, people would flock to you. That's a good story. And that gets people's attention. So we talked about a little bit about the past, the idea of storytelling, which was the, you know, a norm is several years ago. Now we're talking about the current is about authenticity. You know, that's still going on. What do you think is coming down the tubes? What do you think um, the trends are going toward the bleeding edge of nonprofits and, you know, what, where do you think they're, you know, what, if I interview you, well, when I, maybe you and I can pick the podcast three years from now uh, and I interview three years from now, what do you think will be the norm at that point? As far as content and storytelling, you mean? I don't know. I mean, I just, I was thinking more in general. Yeah. I, I since your expertise is in strate- strategic and storytelling is a, is a tool for that. I would say more in, in, uh Yeah. Yeah, in either one of those areas. I've got two ideas, but I think one of them's kind of up and coming already. So I'm kind of tipping on the territory of it might be happening right now. Um, yep. Content marketing, fancy word. Mm-hmm. But if you look at content marketing, um, I think that is one trend I would, I think we'd be talking about in three years, a little heavier than we do today. Just like we could have predicted five years ago, maybe we would have had a little insight that storytelling was coming up. I think content marketing is about, started about a year ago, maybe two years mm-hmm. ago. And content marketing is becoming the new specific content strategy. Um, I'm seeing it at conferences. I'm seeing topics. I'm nerding out over it. I'm reading a lot. I'm doing what I can to keep up. It's a trend. Let's define uh, content marketing for our listeners. And I think content, so and I think people have different opinions on this. So don't quiz me too hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not yet. It's a trend. So I'm not quite the expert yet. Um, but one of the things I'm really reading a lot about is distribution, you know, like, what is your content? Where is it going? And that's where we started to dabble a little bit in this conversation. But content marketing really looks like mapping out your content um, in a strategic way. So I think of it as a website project. It's like my my little pigeonhole example. You have the developers of the world, the designers of the world that can design a website that looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. But you slow down and you make a sitemap to talk about your content strategy and content marketing before you launch a beautiful new website. Cause it's not about how it looks. It's not about just making it look beautiful. It's about the content strategy. It's about the content marketing right around uh, what that looks like. And then I'm not an expert in this. This is where I throw my hands up, but it's the search engine optimization of the world, the SEM, you know, the accessibility, you know, of a website. So when you're, I'm looking, I'm answering with one project example, but for me, it's the content strategy and it's making sure your audience, maybe it's multilingual. The fact that Google, you know, language is no longer a button you can press to translate on a website. Now we as marketers have to think about that content strategy. 
So I think it's a little bit content strategy and a little bit content marketing is a trend for me. Um, and I think the second answer is really around when you look at trends, I think that one of the other things, and I would love your opinion too, but I think one of the other things is, is, is collaboration, which is, um, so if I'm a nonprofit and I want to start a nonprofit, I'm someone who has a DBA. I've been doing this work a little bit. I'm going to get a board of directors and I want to start a nonprofit, which is, I play in that space too. I think that communities and the trend is going where there will be a hub or a resource or more knowledge around if that nonprofit already exists or not. So for example, if I want to start a nonprofit, I'm not duplicating something that's already out there. So you don't have seven nonprofits doing the same thing within one community radius. I think that's a trend. If it's not happening enough, it needs to happen enough because I can speak to so much duplication, fighting for the same funds. What could we do if we did it together? Right. What could we do if we knew of each other? I did a good podcast, which was all about nonprofit partnering. It was like in the early phases of uh, coronavirus and, you know, it was about survival through partnering with other organizations or combining. So I agree with you. Uh, Content marketing is actually something that's like, that's my specialty. So, I mean, I'm really good at it. I've been doing it for 15, 20 years in the for-profit community. You know, it's been hot for three to five years now. And I, I, you're, you're right. I think you're on a, on, on a right on topic about saying, you know, how can nonprofits use content marketing? It is not easy. Um, mm-hmm. And content marketing, the reason why it's not easy, you have to have a specific purpose of why are we putting content up on our site? What's its purpose? Now, I would think with a nonprofit, you know, your purpose could be, of course, to generate more fundraising. And, but then you have to think about, well, who's out there? Who, how am I going to, who do I want to reach? And what, what are they interested in reading about that would, that, that would donate to us? And, uh, or the other reason you would do that is to build a culture internally of, uh, articles and, and content about, um, you know, the good work that you're doing, which might help, you know, existing donors or an existing employees continue to reinforce the culture, the purpose, the why. Um, but it is, you know, it, yeah. I, it takes a lot of time, a lot of energy and you have to, and the number one most important thing that I would tell everybody out there who's thinking about content marketing is you got to be able to measure everything. I was just going to say the same thing, Stephen. Yeah, it's all about measurement. Data. It's data. You have to be able to track where someone clicked from. And, and I think the software that's, it's not available to our partners in the nonprofit sector yet. Yeah. At an affordable rate where they can explore and learn the, the, the brilliance of the, of the ability of, of digital technology. Yeah. I'm excited to see the trend of where it will go for nonprofits because we didn't see this a few years back with donor databases either. We didn't see it with um, fundraising platforms either. And now I'm fascinated by the ability to, for free, for example, we used to have to pay an arm and a leg for free. Now there are softwares out there for you to mobile bid and raise money via texting free. And it used to be a percentage on every text or a 
um, a percentage of your sales at the end of your fundraiser. So it wasn't there even just a couple of years ago in the fundraising platform technology side. I have to hope that our partners in the tech industry are going to start offering nonprofit rates for some of the software. Well, Google gives $10,000 a month in free AdWord uh, yes. advertising for a nonprofit. So it's there f- for that. And I tell you what, if you were, uh, if a nonprofit who's listening right now, you know, again, I, th- I think this content marketing is a very advanced subject for, uh, uh, well, for anybody. Um, but there's not a lot of nonprofits that are out there that are doing content marketing. And that is such, so advantageous for the person who gets in there, you know, early. And, um, but there's a lot to learn about it. And uh, I think the first thing, I guess the first thing I would do, we, we started off early in this podcast talking about bringing in an outside consultant. Um, I, I honestly would bring in an SEO uh, company that that does nonprofit work um and then you can you can bring them in for a year or so and then learn with them and then take it over yourself at that point um and that would be the direction i'd go so you know becca you and i could i think talk for about three hours about a variety of different topics and unfortunately we've we've run out of time um, but really good stuff. So I'd, I'd like to thank so very much Becca Delaney Johnson from the Cause Collaborative for coming on to today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please give us a, uh, a review and let your friends know the Nonprofit MBA podcast has become extremely popular. I, I mean, we're getting thousands of downloads, which is really fantastic. I think that if you're an executive director or a board member, if you, if you were to listen to every single one of the podcasts of the guests that we bring on, the experts, man, it it's like a teaching course in how to run a nonprofit. It's really good. Um, so if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, which is certainly a smart thing to put in place, um, I, I can't tell you how many times nonprofits are either delaying payroll sometimes, uh, which is illegal, <laughs> or borrowing money from a donor on a constant basis or a board member, which also has IRS ramifications. Um, Please feel free to visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com or give us a call at 862-207-4118. Becca, if people want to reach out to you, how would they go about doing that? Uh, thecausecollab.org is our website. My email's up there as well, Becca at thecausecollab.org, or you can always call me. I'm a relationship person. <laughs> Great. And I want to thank everybody out there for making the world a better place. We all need to do your part, and we know that the listeners are doing more than their share of their part, but we all need to contribute and do more. So everybody have a fantastic day, and thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.